Hello, Liam Flint here, and welcome to this latest episode of the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast, where ultimately we get to know some of rugby's finest players, and we're all about finding out what makes them tick. So on this week, no different, we have two great guests. First one of these is Bath's Zach Mercer. Now the number eight and flanker, there's been a lot of media scrutiny around him at the moment about will he make the Autumn International squad under Eddie Jones. So we speak to him about just that, about his recent training camps, how he's tried to impress the great man Eddie Jones. And we also look at the World Cup coming up next year and what it would mean to him to walk out on that pitch representing his country. No one's a perfect player just yet. I just want to keep getting better and better, hopefully. Um, if that World Cup happens, um, it'll be a dream come true for me. As well as this, Elio Green, also known as the Green Machine, joins us for our game feature. And the Aussie Sevens International tells us about what her job may have looked like if she'd stayed away from rugby. And the answer was quite fascinating. I used to look at um, like dead bugs and animals and things. And then I used to try and work out how they died, when they died. But before we bring you all of that, it's time to check in with Zach Mercer. And I started by asking Zach how he reflected on his England training camp, what he learned from that, and actually how different it is to what he does at club level with Bath. Yeah, obviously last year I was in, kind of in that system. Um, obviously tagged as an apprentice player, but for me it didn't really, didn't really change anything. I went away, approached the same way. Um, obviously, getting to camp again this season for the first time was obviously a, a, a privilege, and all I wanted to do now is go in there and try and impress, really, with my performances at Bath and my mentality when I go and train. Loss made of these training camps, is it kind of any different to what you would normally do with Bath or when you're at the youth levels growing up? Because it always seems to be this massive gig, but actually, is it just the same training, exactly the same stuff you'd be doing anyway? Um, it's, yeah, obviously the, the drills and everything's pretty similar, but obviously it's, it's international rugby now and the, the intensity goes up and um, the physicality goes up, which is obviously expected when you when you get called into an international uh, team. So it's nothing that you're not uh, expected for. And obviously that international rugby is, is unfortunately is nothing like under-20s rugby. So you obviously got to get yourself prepared for that. Yeah, did you send a few compliments, Eddie Jones' way, try and get in his good books while you're there? Um, me and Eddie had quite a, a good relationship with him. Um, we, we like to we like to have, tell little jokes and have a laugh and all I can do is it, ultimately it comes to impress him on the rugby field and as long as, long as you're a good bloke off it, then um, I'm sure he... It was only back end of last season that you broke through for Bath. So now that you're at England training camps, pushing for starts with Bath, what do you put that quick rise down to? Have you changed anything in your game? Um, for me, it's probably understanding uh, what I need to do within my bash structure uh, and what gets me selected for every week and trying to keep improving in that. And obviously, I'm now people are now me as, as an attacking uh, rugby player, but I also want to be known as being able to defend as well and putting in good dominant shots so that's something I'm continuing to improve on and I've also got to give credit to the coaches at Bath that I've got with Tom Black and Abubi, Darren Edwards and go with them to come in that they always they obviously want the best for the players and uh, they always help me out when I need and obviously with the players that I've got around me as well like Toby Bartow, Francois Lowe just to name a few so uh, it's a real good club to be at to keep developing. And you're still obviously a young guy now but was pro rugby always the ambition for you growing up or were there lots of things you could have gone into? Um, yeah, obviously rugby runs in my family with my dad. Uh, he played obviously 22 times in New Zealand and rugby league. Um, so he's always pushed me to, to, to play rugby, and but not necessarily rugby league. He always wanted to play union and 
when I when I went and remember watching my first game, it's just something I always wanted to do. And thankfully, I had a, I had a talent and I wanted to pursue that. And luckily enough, I got contacted by Bath, and now I just keep pushing on, really. So, were there any other sports that you kind of dabble with at school that you reckon you could have taken seriously as well? Um, I play obviously. I played chess play every sport at school. I did a lot of basketball and I, I trialed for the Scotland, Scotland basketball team uh, <laughs> under 18s kind of stuff. So I wasn't actually, I, I dabbled at all sports and I wasn't too bad. But for me, I was always, rugby was always the one. Uh, I don't think I'd ever be good enough to go and play in the NBA or something like that. But <laughs> obviously, I, I keep trying and <laughs> just keep focusing on rugby now. Yeah, you'd have been, you've been a Scottish icon if you managed to somehow get in the NBA. Uh, probably, yeah. I don't, can't imagine there's too many ginger Scottish people playing in the NBA. Yeah, obviously, I'm not ginger, <laughs> but typical stereotype. Uh, but no. And, I mean, looking at Bath, you're competing with Toby Falatel for the number eight spot. You've got Sam Underhill, England flanker. Is the competition that you've got for places, do you love that? Or is it actually a bit annoying at times that you can't just nail down? Um, obviously, everyone's going to say that it's always good to have competition and fighting for these spots every week. But obviously it gets frustrating at some points, but that's what that was, that's what develops you as a rugby player. And um, knowing that every week, every training session, you're competing with these international players. and um, Ultimately, that's gonna, what's going to make everyone a better rugby player in the end. But I, I enjoy it, and I obviously I get on well with all the boys, at, at the back row boys at Bath. So uh, it's, it's obviously a healthier, healthier rivalry. Yeah, I suppose the question is what you can do then to kind of tip the the scales in your favour. Word on the streets that you've been bulking up a bit. Yeah, everyone's saying this. Uh, <laughs> I think I've just put three kilos on. <laughs> Whether it's good weight or bad weight, I don't know. Over-exaggerated, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> obviously, I'm never going to be the biggest rugby player and uh, all I want to do is being able to keep playing the way I want to play but also with a bit of added weight so I can add a bit more physicality. And this season, I've, I think I've kind of hit the balance just right at the moment, but... Um, obviously, that's credit to the SNC staff at Bath and um, helping me to helping me to to do that. Yeah, you've got a long way to go to be heavier than Toby Falatau, so good luck with that. I don't think he's actually that heavy at all. I think probably more Billy Vanapol or Nathan Hughes, but uh, <laughs> for me, I'm, I'm quite happy where I am at the moment, to be honest. And you've got a bit of Maori in you, haven't you? So that that could be the difference at the end of the day. I do, but then obviously Toby's got Tom in him, but. Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, my, obviously my dad's a Kiwi and he ended up playing for the New Zealand Maharaj Rugby League team. And so, yeah, I've got a little bit of Maori there, so you never know. Yeah, so does that mean that later down the line, say you play for England against your Blacks, does that mean some of your family are not going to be too impressed or will everyone forgive you for that? Uh, obviously, no. I, obviously, there'll be a bit of banter beforehand, but ultimately, your family support, uh, support me and no matter who I'm playing for and who I'm playing against and and um, obviously family always have your back and will support you all the way but there'll be I'm sure there'll be a couple of jokes on the way The Planet Sport Rugby Podcast Okay, do stay tuned. We'll be coming back to Zach Mercer for part two of our feature interview very shortly. But now it's time for our game feature. And this week, as you already know, Elia Green, Australia Rugby 7, stepped up to the plate. So here's how we got on on our life swap game. And I started by asking her what she would buy, first of all, if she won the lottery. Lamborghini. Really? Yeah. Bit of an upgrade. Um, I'm, I'm a girl beneath the speed. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not just on the pitch, off it as well. No, on the road as well. You should see me at the lights. I don't think I want I to. Feel like I'm, 
I'm just joking. <laughs> what car are you on at the minute? Um, I'm actually we're sponsored by Toyota, so I've got a four-wheel drive. Ah. So does that mean you have to drive Toyota? They'd be annoyed at you if you drove something else. I do. I mean, Lexus falls under the same category, but <laughs> I am strongly representing Toyota. So. Okay. Yeah, that would definitely be an, that would definitely be an upgrade then. I get that. It is the most reliable car in the world. Okay. If I could meet any famous person, it would be. I'll tell you here. I'm a massive fan girl. <laughs> Go on. Amy Winehouse. She's probably my all-time girl. Okay, so you li- would you still listen to Amy now, or is this you in your teenage All the years? Time. Oh no, I still listen to her a lot. Yeah. Amazing voice. Yeah, I'm a big fan girl, and I went to Camden last year to to check out her hometown. Okay, yeah, so you're committed to that one. That's a good choice then. All right. And also because I've had so many injuries, and I reckon I've spent more time in rehab than Amy Whitehouse. Are you quite injury prone. I've had heaps of injuries. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't okay. say I'm injury prone. I said I've been unlucky. If I could learn any language, it would be. Um, have you Have you got any languages? Firstly. Well, I know Australian slang. <laughs> so we could do with some more, I know basically. And my mum is of Polish descent, so I do understand some Polish. Okay, and that's good. Obviously, Fijian. I know some basic words. But um, I did grow up in Australia, so look, I'm pretty much true blue. Yeah. If there wasn't another language I'd learn, I'd probably like to learn maybe Mandarin. Like, how confusing would that be? Um, a Fijian speaking Chinese. Yeah, you'd actually have to get out there, though. I mean, if you were doing that in Australia, probably people wouldn't really get it, but... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, like, you know, it's a very global language. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Um, I'd like to be able to fly. I think teleport, yeah, I think teleporting would be my one. Yeah, yeah, that, actually that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, but I always have but to let, I always have to let the guests yeah. talk first. Oh yeah, because I love the feeling of wind through my braids, and especially <laughs> when I'm running, like, I love the feeling of my braids flying out the back, so imagine if I could have that feeling, but also have it when I'm flying in the air, like, that would yeah, I get that. Yeah. You're quick, so that's natural. You wouldn't experience that if you were being teleported. No, that is true. Because you just be somewhere and then you'd be somewhere else. You wouldn't have that flying feeling. Okay, if you could try any other job, what would it be? Um, ooh. Any plan B careers lying around? Well, you know what? When I was in primary school, I wanted to be a forensic pathologist. Wow. Yeah. Um, it started with, um, like... I used to look at, um, like, dead bugs and animals and things. Yeah. And then I used to try and work out how they died, when they died. That's amazing. Um, you know, what was the source kind of thing. So I think that's where <laughs> that came from. Oh, that's so funny. I just picture you investigating the cause of death with a worm or a snail or something. Um, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, it would be? Sweet and salty popcorn. You wouldn't get bored of that? I don't think so, no. So that's your go-to, no, go-to snack? Have. Yeah, I love it. I'm addicted to it. And I make the biggest mess when I eat it. Like, it's everywhere because I enjoy it so much. And I try to get, like, the biggest handful in my mouth <laughs> every time. That's not a good start. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like a, it's a snack, you know. Um, it is <laughs> corn. You know, it's corn that's been flavoured and made into a, a light, fluffy 
bowl of goodness. Yeah, with loads of sugar in it. Yeah, no, that's fine. I get that. Okay, last one. Elliot, if you could appear on any TV show, it would be what? Um, oh, that's a good one. Maybe um, The Bachelorette. I, you know, I was, what was I watching? I was watching um, Love Island. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Love Island. Yeah, I watched the UK one and I watched the Australian I was going to say, everyone over here thinks the Australian one is better. Really? Yeah, they all... I reckon the UK one was way better. There was more drama. On the Aussie one, there was a lot more drama. So over here, it was seen as quite dull, I think. Oh, well, it was more of a fairy tale ending for you guys. <laughs> yeah, but that's not real life, is it? People want heartache yeah. and bad things, so... They do. That's the sad truth. <laughs> well, that's good that you've seen them both. You must really love it. No, I do. I do. It's a good, it's a good time waster. Okay, now it's time to rejoin our feature interview with Bath flanker Zach Mercer. And time for the big questions. We look forward to next year, especially with the Six Nations and, of course, the World Cup. And I'll just ask him, has he dared himself to be able to dream about this at all? Yeah, obviously it's still a year away, yeah. Um, so, obviously, I've just got to keep working on Bath and trying to get into the England team. But, uh, obviously, that's, that's a long year to go. And, obviously, I've got to use a lot of years of developing as a rugby player on and off the field so no one's a perfect player just yet and I just want to keep getting better and better and hopefully um, if that World Cup happens um, it'll be a dream come true for me uh, obviously watching it as a kid all the time but first of all there's little steps that I've got to keep taking to, to get there Yeah, Do you mind the fact that everyone keeps linking you and thinking oh, obviously sure in for next year do you sometimes think I just wish there wasn't any pressure and everyone would leave me alone um, it's always, I, I think it's always good to have a little bit of pressure, to be honest. Uh, I think um, it pushes you on. Um, but then when it's here in advance, it's, it, it sometimes gets you. But obviously it's not a bad thing, people saying that. And uh, obviously it gives me a bit more confidence as well. So there's a, there's a fine balance of it. But in the end, it's, it'll be a privilege to do that for my country. But first of all, just got to focus on Bath this year and get a real good season under our belt. Because we believe this year, as a group of players, we can push on. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned it there. Premiership title with Bath would be lovely for you right now for the CV. How do you see the season panning out for you after the start you've had, which has been mixed? Yeah, we started off slow. Um, we were the first to admit that. And it, was our, it was our, as a team, it was our fault. And we probably weren't switched on for the first game. But we've got ourselves onto the road now with, with some real good results and showing some real good signs of rugby. So it's, it, it's a positive picture from now on. And all we want to do every week as players is go out and get, keep improving every week and taking our learnings from, from the week before and trying to develop them. So this year, we, as a group of players, we believe strongly that we can push on this year. Right, I'm going to push you for an answer to a, a tricky question. I know, yeah. obviously, you're still starting out, but you're knocking around with some great players at the minute. Who would you say is the best player that you have played against so far in your career? You've got to give me one yeah. name. You can't back out. Against, um, yeah, against. There's probably, there's, there's probably two. <laughs> okay, obviously, yeah, fair. We'll take that. Um, obviously, the Barbars game, uh, playing against uh, Sammy uh, Radrada for the Barbars, he was he was pretty uh, spectacular. Obviously, yeah, I think he ran his right that day. Just with his offloading off skills and his sheer power, um, he was he was real dangerous from that day. And it kind of opened my eyes to being like, oh, geez, international rugby's going to be like this when you play against the All Blacks uh, and teams like that. And, from a from a skill set point of view, uh, 
I'm probably going to have to say Owen Farrell. Uh, the way he reads the game and uh, his skill set, real, he's, he's second to none. And uh, when you play against him, one one error he'll recognise it and he'll punish you. So probably Rad Rada and Owen Farrell are the best players I've played against. But they're not bad. How do you think you get on at fly half? Have you got any kind of a kicking game in your locker? I've got no kicking game. Uh, <laughs> I think I'll be uh, yeah, off tee, I'm not very good. Maybe grubbers, I might be all right, but off the tee's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach, away from the game, obviously you guys have a lot of time when you're travelling and all of that kind of thing. What would we find you doing? What are some of your interests away from the sport? Um, I do a lot of coaching. Um, obviously, I know that's not away from the sport, but I coach an amateur rugby team in Bath called Oldfield, which I do twice a week. Uh, so I coach them lads and... Uh, yeah, I just like to get out with the boys, really, and get out, get out of my house and uh, just just enjoy the Bath culture and uh, to embrace it all, as well as playing like stereotypical PlayStation and um, having a <laughs> laugh on that in the evenings. <laughs> yeah, it's funny actually. So many, so many rugby guys say that they just like live on their console, whatever they're travelling, that's their go-to. <laughs> um, I, I, I do have a portable console which I do take on the bus with me. Here we go, it's coming out. So I am a, I am a strong Fortniteer, is that, if that's what you call it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's, a, there's a good little group of us at Bath, to be honest, that play it. So it's, it's not just me, uh, there's about 10 or 12 of us, and there's, there's some people that do it that have the, have the dads, who are dads as well, that play with us. It's a large mix. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Nice. I can just picture it all. Okay, so away from the game then, you're not a secret dancer, or you're not an amazing golfer. No, no. Or anything like that. There's no secret. I wish I could play golf. I'm not very good at golf. I um, I tried to play during the summer with my mates from Scotland, but I ended up just driving the buggy around for, for the whole uh, 18 holes because <laughs> I lost my temper. <laughs> yeah, growing up in yeah around Scotland, you had some lovely courses. You got no excuse. Yeah, I wish I was any better. To be honest, I, I kind of just haven't got any interest for it at the moment. Even though my granddad is a keen golfer and he's always tried to push me down that route, but. Um, it's it's not for me. I don't think. <laughs> I'm sure I'll find something to do when I retire, but golf isn't for me. Yeah, stick to what you're good at. Yeah, definitely. Well, you said you like you like pods and you like talking, so maybe some punditries for you down the line. Oh, I've done a couple, and uh, yeah, I do enjoy it, and it's always good to speak to people like you and different people and understand and actually hear different thoughts about stuff. Just always interested, and um, you never know. You never know, do you? Exactly. Do you listen? Do you listen to podcasts? Uh, I, I listen to some. It depends who's speaking on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's any good. Uh, I've listened to the Jim Hamilton one a couple of times with Andy Good, and uh, I find them very interesting. And to be honest, if someone mentions it at the club, saying, "Oh, you need to listen to it," then I listen. I listen to a podcast because sometimes there's some interesting debates going on, yeah. whether they're right or wrong. Okay, as always, massive thank you to our two guests for joining us on this week's pod. As always, we'd love to keep you up to date with what we're doing across social media, so please do head over there. PS Rugby Podcast is where you'll find us across Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And looking forward to the next pod, Elia Green takes centre stage as we look back on her Australia 7's rugby journey and we talk about what it was like for her to win gold at Rio 2016. And by the sounds of it, it still means a lot to her even now. Look, I still, you know, I still... 
have a big smile on my face when I think of that moment um, that we won the gold medal in front of our families. And as always, someone will be filling our game feature spot and we're going to break the mould this week. I'm going to tell you who it is straight away. So in keeping with our women's rugby theme for the next pod, we'll be speaking to USA 7's superstar, Naya Taffer, who's made a big splash in the international scene. And she too plays our life swap game. And in amongst all the questions, I ask her if she could play with any player in world rugby, male or female, who would she choose? It would be Carlin Adams because I could just pass him the ball and not have to run 100 metres. <laughs> I could just make him do it. And the fastest man in rugby, who wouldn't want to play beside him? So make sure you listen in to our next pod to get the full game lowdown with Nia Tapper and also for us to spend some quality time getting to know Elia Green and going through her amazing rugby journey so far. So until next time, this has been the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast. Do keep up with our socials until the next release. Thanks very much for listening, as always.